but we are going to get it done today. But we do have some business, some urgent business before the Lord regarding deeper in 2021 for Life Fellowship. We're going to continue in Luke chapter 5. Larry prayed us in, thankfully, so we're going to jump right in. Peter and, crew, Peter and his crew, as we know, had been toiling all night, the night before, fishing and caught nothing. And, and so that's kind of what we looked at. And in addition to that, Jesus commanded Peter to launch out into the deep. So, hey, we didn't catch anything the night before, and now you want us to launch out into the deep in the daytime. This makes no sense, right? So we established that, our thesis for this section of Scripture, and our thesis for the year as a class is to go deeper with Jesus, or the key to bearing fruit is going deeper with Jesus, or bearing much fruit, right? It's, it's not going to happen unless we move from where we are to take steps, significant steps even, to take our relationship with Christ to the next level. And so our vision and a word for 2021 is simply what? Say it with me. Deeper, all right? Uh, it would have been nice to get a little bit louder, but I get it, it's eight degrees. You're still, you're still thawing, I understand, okay? So the first area that we looked at in terms of going deeper in this year is going deeper in the area of faith. No matter what it is, no matter what the Lord says, whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense, it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable, Lord, you said it, I'm just going to do it. And then the second area is we got to go deeper in fruit. We said that fruit is simply the byproduct of obedience. I mean, it's that simple. Now, I get it. In the flesh, it's not always easy. <laughs> there are some challenges that come with this. There are some things that provoke us to be uncomfortable and hesitant and all of that, but it is always so worth it. And Peter absolutely learned that when he obeyed and went, and went deeper and oh my goodness, did he take in a draught, him and his fishing crew. So I want you to understand, and again, I, 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 I want you to hear this from me, and, and I, I don't know how else to say this, but I want you to hear from me, I love you. I love you. I love life fellowship. I do. I, I'm not the most... Uh, emotional guy. I would say I'm passionate, but I'm not emotional if that makes sense, right? But I want you to hear, I love you. I, I do. And, and I, I love being a part of Life Fellowship, and I love just who we are and that we get to be together and what we get to do together. I, I don't take any of that for granted. But here is a very sobering ministry principle that I have come to learn in ministry, and it is very sobering. And it goes like this, barren ministries always die eventually, even if people do not know it. I mean, that, that is a sobering ministry principle. And, 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 and that, that feeds into another principle that I've held near and dear, which is no church, no ministry, no class is ever built on great teaching and preaching alone. Now, that's sobering for us. Because we tend to think that, and again, this is for me, this is why personally, my, my leadership approach is I am never comfortable building or structuring anything around me being in the center of it, where we got to have Kenny teaching and preaching, and if we don't, oh my goodness, we don't make it. God forbid. No, no, no. 
we live or die based upon whether or not we're fruitful. Because barren ministries eventually die even if people do not know it. So you'll have churches who will meet regularly and go through all the church motions, as we would say, and they can do it for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and it's a dead church. They're not winning people to Christ. They're not making disciples. They're just doing a lot of Christian things. And as believers, we can be very good about finding ways to keep ourselves busy, believing that the perfect season to eventually get serious about evangelism is out there. There's going to come a perfect time where it's just going to be just right for us to really dial it up and, and get serious about fruit, and it's just going to, wow, we're going to wake up one day, and man, we've led a hundred people to Christ, and we're discipling all of them. That's just going to come one day, right? It's never that way, unfortunately. But here's another critical observation about barren ministries. Infighting and dysfunction become prevalent in barren ministries. They do. You can't help but become frustrated when all you're doing is wandering and, and intentionally avoiding something that God has called you to do. So we'll say, Lord, yes, we will disciple, we'll teach those who are saved, and God will be very intentional about world missions, we'll take trips, we'll support missionaries, we'll, we'll, we'll do all of that, but Lord, the one thing we will not do is we will not own the first leg of the Great Commission. We're not going to evangelize. As a matter of fact, I mean, and, and, and we'll just justify it because, well, Lord, look at what I'm doing. I, I am teaching the Word of God, and I am studying the Bible, and, and all of that, and I'm tithing, and, and, and that's great, but when that becomes the culture in any church or any group, mark it down. Infighting and dysfunction are coming. This is where we start bickering and spatting and getting our toes stepped on over trivial things. Things that if we were giving ourselves to evangelism, we would not have time or even interest to get sideways or sidetracked with those things. I've seen it time and time again. So we have to go deeper in fruit this year as a fellowship. And to my discredit, I have unintentionally hurt life fellowship. I mean, again, not meaning to at all by not consistently providing the type of structure and support that we have needed to make sure that our ministry teams have all that they need to be as effective as possible. And I can give you all the excuses for that, but when the dust clears, that's what they would be, excuses. And so we've had to make some adjustments there. I've, I've had to, here we go, I've had to change. <laughs> I've had to embrace what the Lord is showing me, which led me to say, okay, Jason, I need you to take another step with me in terms of overseeing and leading life fellowship to make sure that we are doing right by God and we're putting our best foot forward for what? For God's glory so that we can be fruitful. That's not very comfortable for me in some spots. I mean, I'm like you. I can be a control freak. Just ask my wife. Where even though there's some dysfunction, and yeah, it could be a whole lot better, but at least 
I'm in control. <laughs> so, yes, change can be difficult, but everyone and everything in Life Fellowship in 2021 has to go deeper. Next level, next step. So we continue in verse 8 of Luke chapter 5. So the hall was so large, as we know, that it caused both ships to sink. And we see Peter's response in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. So Peter's lack of faith and his realization of his unworthiness have crashed down on him. I mean, it is it has hit him like a ton of bricks, as we would say. In the moment, he got a vivid picture of who Jesus Christ really was, as well as who he really was. And this is what happens, and this is how you know that that you are really in the presence of Christ is when who he is becomes magnified and who you are becomes magnified. Lord, who was I to ever question you is where he was. I mean, that's where he was in the beginning, right? Like, lunch out into the day? What are you talking about it? I mean, in the daytime? No way. And now he realizes how foolish he was and how faithless he was, and it drove him to a prostrate position before Jesus. And this is the position that we find ourselves in when we have a genuine encounter with the person and power of Christ. I'm sure you've had those times where you have encountered Christ in a way where you're like, oh my goodness, you are God. You are awesome. You are omnipotent. You are almighty. You are great. You are majestic. You are wonderful. You are excellent. You are exalted. I mean, wow. It pushes you to your face, does it not? It's where he was. But notice in verse 5, Peter referred to Jesus as master, which certainly was not disrespectful. But in verse 8, Peter said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, not master, but O Lord. See the difference. Master is a teacher. Nothing wrong with that. That was accurate. That was correct. Jesus certainly was that. He is that, but Lord. Well, now we're talking about the one who is supreme in authority. He's not just my teacher, he's my Lord. For some of us, we know Jesus as teacher. That's how we know him. We read his word and we love to hear it taught and we love to study the Bible. And listen, if we're not careful, please hear me because I know our church. If we're not careful, the Bible can become a textbook. Do you see the difference? It can become a textbook. This is the book that we go to because we love knowledge and we love learning, and I just want to dig and get more and more and more, but what's dangerous about that is we can do that, but listen, not know Him as Lord. 
Just because you know doctrine, just because you know the Bible so very well, does not mean that you know him as Lord. When you know doctrine and you are a student of Scripture and you really love learning, okay, that's great, but all you're really saying in that is that, well, for sure, he's my teacher. But you got to understand, at the heart of discipleship, we find this word called lordship. That's at the heart of discipleship. Not just that he's our teacher, but he's our Lord. He is supreme in authority. So, we must go deeper in fear. Obviously, I'm referring to a biblical fear of Jesus as Lord. So, not referring to being afraid of him in the sense of him destroying us. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment, but... To go deeper in fear, we're talking about a deeper walk with Christ this year. A deeper walk. Not just walking with Jesus, the teacher, but walking with Jesus, the Lord. Where we know him as the Lord. Not just the data that we download from his word regularly, but... Let's keep doing that. I'm not, I'm not advocating that we stop reading and studying and learning the Word of God. God forbid. But we've got to go deeper in our walk with Him. It's great that we love to hear the Word of God and learn more. And for some of us, we can teach and teach and teach more and more and more. But this is terrifying to me. Terrifying. And I, again, as a teacher, I think anyone who teaches regularly in this room, we all understand and we all know what goes into teaching. I think if you are a teacher of the Word of God, there's something you've probably learned by now, and that is it is a call to solitude. Where you are away from everyone and everything for long periods of time, hours. Many of them. But here's what terrifies me. What terrifies me is knowing that I can do that, but yet not go deeper with him in my walk. I mean, God forbid that I stand before anyone to teach and I'm not prepared. That's terrible. But let me tell you what's more terrible than that. God forbid that I stand before any group of people to teach and, not, and be prepared but not walk deeply with him. That's terrifying. If you ever wonder how and why pastors crash and burn, that would be your answer. Is they will study and study and study and work and work and work, but not go deeper with Christ personally. Man, would you consider these important words? Two words I want you to think about right now. When Jesus ordained the twelve in Mark 3.14, it says, And he ordained twelve that they should be with him. Those are the two words. With him. And that he might send them forth to preach. After he healed the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5. Look at verse 18 of Mark 5. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be 
with him. How did the disciples catch a draught that sank their ships? What does verse 9 say of Luke chapter 5? For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. You see where this is going? I know many of you are fascinated by doctrine and Bible study. You love to uncover, discover, unravel. Man, some of the things in God's Word that will make your head pop. No problem. But here is the question. Do you desire to be with Him? That's the question. I know you love doctrine. I know you love to study. I know you love to teach. I know you love to learn. I get that. But my question is, do you desire to be with him? That's the question. Because that's the key to fruit. Rightfully so, the Great Commission is often quoted or referenced, but what is often overlooked, not mentioned, are four words in Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. I am with you. Subconsciously, we have this idea of the Great Commission that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father and he has commissioned us to go do something for him. Listen, not with him. Listen, the idea that we can go and be fruitful without being with him is a bad idea. It'll never happen. We have to be with him. Let me ask you a question. What if every member of Life Fellowship decided that a deeper walk with Jesus Christ was their chief focus every day for the rest of the year? Can you imagine? What if every member of Life Fellowship said, you know what? Lord, above anything, this year, Lord, I I don't care what happens with COVID. I really don't care what happens with the Super Bowl. I don't care what happens with the economy. I I, I don't care. On the political scene, forget about it. Lord, my chief preoccupation this year, every day, is a deeper walk with you. What if every member of Life Fellowship said, I'm in? Can you imagine what our fellowship would look like a year from now? If that was the heartbeat of every person who called Life Fellowship home. That we're done with being in and out of the Word. We're done with that. We're done being in and out of prayer. 
We're done with that. We're done being in and out of personal worship. We're done with that. So help me, Lord, if it kills me, I want to know you in a deeper way. I cannot imagine the Lord saying, no, thank you. The Lord, absolutely. Yes. Because He does want to go deeper with you. He wants to take you deeper with Him. Can I ask you a favor? If I can. If that's you. If you're saying, you know what, man, I'm all in on going deeper in fear, which is a deeper walk. I'm, I'm in. That's me. Listen, can I, can I tell you, I, I, I understand that we are a class of human beings, and so there are problems and issues, and you've got your weaknesses, I have mine, you've got your issues, I've got mine, I get all that. But here's what I have come to learn. There isn't an issue in my life that a deeper walk with Christ can't solve. I believe that. I've seen it too many times. So, if you're saying, I'm all in, I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you text or email us just those two words, all in? All in. And again, our phone number's are on here, our emails are on here. Uh, just, and I think we get this. Uh, guys, if you are a guy, you text or email me or Jason, ladies, Rachel, or Lori. And again, the reason for this is some of you might know someone better than the other on here. And some, and, and some of the ladies are like, whew, thank God I have to text or email Kenny. So I got you covered, ladies. All right. I'm looking out for you. All right. And then also, too, the person that you text or email, they're going to be praying for you. Just all in. And again, the reason I'm doing it this way is I don't want to publicly embarrass someone who may not be ready to do that. No problem. So I don't want to show of hands or pass anything around or anything on WhatsApp. So this is, and I'm not going to be checking. Hey, who texted you or emailed you? That, that, that's not what this is. Just are we all in? Verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, <laughs> from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Now, it might seem like a contradiction initially to going deeper in fear when Jesus says to Simon, Fear not. Notice, though, when Peter found himself prostrate before Christ, Jesus did not correct that. That was a rightful position. So Peter was not out of place by taking that posture of humility and worship. Both are reflective of someone who genuinely fears the Lord. But this was early in the discipleship process, and Peter's sin was completely exposed. His lack of faith, his pride, his arrogance has now been exposed directly in the face of of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why he went from master to Lord. So, humanly speaking, what happened was, yes, he was fearing him properly, but there was also a measure of human fear in the sense of, is he going to destroy me? And the Lord was assuring him that the answer was no. Jesus was not interested in Peter fearing him in a way that he thought he would be harmed, but Jesus' message to the fishing team as a whole 
If we count the accounts of Matthew chapter 4 and what we find in Mark chapter 1 was simply this. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. That's the focus here. So the text makes it clear that these men were commercial fishermen by trade, but after this moment, that focus would change. It had to. Their focus would not be on fishing for tilapia anymore. No, they would be fishing for something else. They would be fishing for Tem and Teresa and Tabitha and Thomas. They'd be fishing for men. There'd be a shift in focus. Not fishing for the carnal things of this world. Listen, we must go deeper in focus. We must go deeper in our focus. The focus of our lives must be spiritual, not carnal. The focus of our lives must be spiritual, not carnal. That has to be the focus. We often quote 2 Corinthians 5.17 about being new creatures in Christ and praise God. But here's what we often overlook, and it's sad that we stop because, yes, we are new creatures in Christ, but the rest of what follows gives us the implications of what that means. You have it in your notes. So here's what follows. Because we are new creatures in Christ, guess what? Verse 18, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We're ministers. Verse 19, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And how about verse 20? We are ambassadors for Christ. That's what you see the change now. We're not just new creatures. We are that, praise God, but but our focus now has shifted from carnal to spiritual. We are spiritual ministers. We are spiritual ambassadors. So listen, please hear this. We are not professionals who engage in the mission. We are ministers and ambassadors who engage our profession. Do you see the difference? Uh, Before you are a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an engineer, an IT professional, a salesman, or whatever you do, before you are any of that, you are a minister and an ambassador. We have to understand that. Believers who are not going deeper in faith, deeper in fruit, or deeper in fear are not doing so because they are distracted with the carnal things of this world. There's no way around it. If your marriage is in turmoil, if your children are a mess, if you are drowning in debt, if you are in the grips of addiction, guess what you are not preoccupied with? You're not preoccupied with being a minister and an ambassador. Can't be. No, you have entangled yourself with the affairs of this life. And you're not being a good soldier. You're not being a good minister. You're not being a good ambassador. I want to read part of a text I received yesterday from Jason after he taught the cost of discipleship class. And it, 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 uh, 
It was sobering. And I want you to hear it. And I want you to do more than hear it. I want you to own it with me. It went like this. FYI, we didn't have anyone in life in CLD. Now, David was there, but Serta wasn't there to get discipled. He's been there and done that in the sense of discipleship one. But that's sobering, folks. That's sobering. When's the next CLD class? April? Okay. Can we, can we trust God for a different testimony for the next class? Now, let me tell you what, what goes into that. We've got to pray. And we've got to be obedient. And we've got to go deeper. And, and we've got to think spiritually, not carnally. See, here's the issue, just what I'm saying. If, if you are so preoccupied and so wrapped up in your life that is, and I don't mean to be insensitive, unkind, cruel, or harsh, but if you are so preoccupied with your life that is so dysfunctional and unhealthy, you could care less about the next CLD class and who's in it or who's not in it. Because as far as you're concerned, that doesn't pay your bills, that, that, that doesn't resolve the issue you're having with your, your kids or the issues you're having with your husband or your wife or whatever. We have to be about the mission. Verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This was their way of saying all in. All in. They left everything they had to follow Jesus as disciples indeed, which is a true disciple. Here's the fifth and, and final point. We must go deeper in following. We must go deeper in following. To everyone, discipleship is never inexpensive. We have to understand that. Discipleship is never inexpensive. I have discussed with Sam a few times now that we have two cultures at MBT when it comes to disciples. So we have disciples who, who their discipleship experience, particularly through uh, KCBT, did not include or involve the cost of discipleship. And then we have a culture of disciples at MBT who their discipleship experience did include or involve the cost of discipleship. So subtly, for the first culture that came up through KCBT, part of what they can do is they can easily associate the cost of discipleship for the new believers. So the people who need to get disciple, which of course I've been there and done that, and I'm actually a teacher now, they need to count the cost, and they need to make sure that they're serious about this. Because it's going to cost them everything. You see where this is going? Here's the problem with that. 
Consider John 15, 13. Jesus says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So the teacher lays down his life for the student. Discipleship is expensive for everyone, teacher and student. It costs to be a disciple, and please hear this, teachers, it costs as much to make one. Discipleship is not inexpensive for anyone. It's clear, to go deeper in following, you must forsake all. And the reason that some are not going deeper is because there are things or people that, are hold, that they're holding on to that they won't let go of. Please hear this. Just because you finish 18 lessons in a workbook does not mean you're following. For some, they have not continued in D2 or LFBI because, hear me, it's too hard and too inconvenient. In other words, it costs too much. Some are not saving to go on a missions trip. Why? It costs too much. Uh, Some do not come on Tuesday night. Why? That costs too much. Some do not faithfully attend small group. Why? That costs too much. Some are not tithing. Why? That costs too much. Some are not the spouse they should be. Why? That costs too much. See, that's the issue. You're standing here, the Lord is saying, I want you to go deeper, but you're saying, you know what, Lord? That just sounds a little too expensive. I'll pass. So here's my closing question. Are you really following Jesus? Let me give you a hint. To help you answer that question honestly, here's how you know. One of the ways that you know you are really following Jesus is that you are confronted with uncomfortable decisions that you say yes, Lord, to. That's discipleship. You're following and the Lord says, okay, Let's go, but before we do, let's get rid of that. Uh, Let's do away with him or her. Or as you're following, the Lord says, okay, we're going to go over here and and we're going to do this. And, And I am calling you to obey this. And you're saying, yes, yes, Lord, yes, sir. This is uncomfortable, this is terrifying, but you said it, I'm in. That's going deeper in 21. Lord, thank you for your holy and precious word. God, you know what we've heard, and Lord, you know how we need to respond. And I do pray, God, that we would respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen.